0: All right, welcome to the conversation on the TYT network. Well, we're about to have a conversation with Julie Oliver. Who is she? She's a Democratic candidate in Texas 25th district. She's a progressive that has both Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden's endorsements. Huh. Interesting. So Julie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.
0: No problem. All right. So Julie, there's a lot to discuss here. First of all, this is your second time running, right?
1: It is, I ran in 2018 and it came back to finish the job.
0: Ooh, I like that. There's a lot I like about your strength. So this was supposed to be a a pretty solidly Republican district, Uh, apparently not so. So um, you got pretty close last time and this time looks like there are polls that have it at a statistical tie. So tell us what's different this time around.
1: I'll say you know this was intentionally gerrymandered whether or not it's a red district remains to be seen I think it was actually a non-voting district I think so many people felt left out of the process didn't certainly didn't feel represented by Congressman Williams so gave up voting and I'll say one of the biggest differences between 2018 and 2020 is we've been so intentional about getting folks registered to vote who've moved into our district but they're voters so I'll a lot of times if somebody moves from another state let's say colorado that actually has same day voter registration you can walk up to the polls and get registered to vote the day you, the day you want to vote You can't do that in Texas. And if you're not aware of that before you head to the polls, um, you will be a disenfranchised voter and you will miss the election. In fact, Texas shuts down voter registration 30 days in front of an election. So we have been doing voter registration by mail at scale uh, for about a year and a half now. And I think we've sent out 30,000 voter registration forms to people in our district.
0: Mm, I like the sound of that too. Okay, so, you have a different thesis on how to win, um, which, of course, um, I share and and I and I'm here for it. Uh, which is that in a red to purple district, you don't have to be a corporate Democrat. Uh, you could just run as an unabashed progressive. Uh, now, most of Washington doesn't agree. So, if you win, that would make a giant, giant difference. Um, but tell me why you came to that conclusion. Why you? Did not listen to traditional way of thinking about democratic politics.
1: I think because I wasn't a traditional um, politician or you know even candidate. I you know I had no political experience prior to running in twenty eighteen. The closest I came to getting involved in politics aside from voting was doing one phone bank for Obama's first admit when it, his first run, and I got so scared I never went back. Uh, so um, I realized that in running. Money in politics is such a corrosive part of this this game, and and it's a rigged game. It's rigged in favor of the corporate donors. And so I was intentional in saying, you know what, we're not going to have that influence, and in fact, we're actually not going to have the influence of any PAC money. I don't I don't think I knew what that meant when I first ran, but we haven't taken any PAC money since I first decided to run in 2017. And campaign finance is incredibly important to me. We need more regular people being able to run for office. That is very challenging when you don't have a roster of donors. So creating a funding stream for publicly financed campaigns is incredibly important to me. And I'd like to tax corporate PACS 90% to create that funding stream.
0: (laughs) I told you I liked her strength. All right, so Julie, you're not taking corporate PAC money, but are you saying you're not taking any PAC money, union PAC, nope, progress, but no, nothing? Nothing. Okay.
1: I don't take any PAC money. I've had to, much to the chagrin of my campaign manager. I've sent back PAC checks. <laughs> but but it, I will tell you, it, it's made a difference. One of the biggest constituencies that this makes a difference to is young people. Most young people feel jaded. They're like, "Well, you know, all politicians are bought and sold by someone, you know." And so it's it's really uh, empowering to tell them, "No, I truly." Our average donation is I think forty three dollars. We have tens of thousands of donors that are that are you know behind this movement. And um, when your average contribution is forty three dollars, going to be really hard to get arm twisted into legislation that you don't favor and is against your values. So they find that incredibly inspiring. And when I tell them about taxing corporate PACs and creating this revenue stream for publicly financed campaigns, and I ask them, I'm like, I want you to run for office. They get really excited by this, and that's a good thing.
0: So the website, by the way, if you want to be one of those $43 donors so you can't control Julie, Julie julieoliver.org. (laughs) is the website, julieoliver.org. And if you're watching later on YouTube or Facebook, we will have these links in the description box. So it's so easy to click on it. And you could check out the website and then uh, contribute if you agree. So, um, and I call that the Hartson rule, by the way, Julie. Uh, Alison Hartson ran against Dianne Feinstein as a just Democrat in 2018 and she said no PAC money at all because she was a teacher and she said if if I'm gonna vote with a teachers union, I don't want you to think that I voted that way cuz I took their money. I want you to know I voted that way cuz I meant it. And so I actually think that's the the much better way to go and the fact that you've been able to raise a good amount of money to scare the Republican in the race. Uh, and maybe he's not scared enough, <laughs> is an amazing sign, a wonderful sign. Um, so, you know, um, I guess one of the questions I have is how'd you get Biden's endorsement? Because you're unabashedly progressive, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, et cetera, some of the things he has not signed on to. So I understand why you got Bernie's endorsement. I understand how you got Elizabeth Warren's endorsement. But how'd you get Biden?
1: I don't know. I got to be honest. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It just happened. Um, I will say that, you know, I know all eyes are kind of on Texas right now and there's a focus on flipping our state. So I think, and and I will say, we also caught the attention of the National Party. You know, the DCCC put us on their red to blue list. Um, we're also on the PCCC's red to bold list, but we are unabashedly progressive. And um, I don't know if that had something to do with it being on the red to Blue list, you know, uh, incentivized you know Biden to endorse us. I'm I am happy that we have that endorsement. It also, you know, I also understand how, um, you know, that with that comes an incredible uh, responsibility to stand for progressives in in when elected being able to be part of that coalition that goes to Biden said, no, this is a perfect opportunity right now in the midst of this pandemic, because we'll be dealing with this in 2021. This is the perfect time to to guarantee universal health care. The Affordable Care Act is going to be overturned by the Supreme Court. Trump now has a 6-3 majority, and the Affordable Care Act will be overturned. This is a perfect opportunity to um, implement Medicare for all. Uh, it's, It's also an opportunity to really say we want to be part of the, the technology and the economy of the future. And that is a renewable green energy economy, and all that can start here in Texas. So um, proud to have you know uh, the future president's endorsement, but also know that comes with the responsibility of, of using my platform to, to get him to move closer to the progressive side of the spectrum.
0: So Julie, how has your stance has been received in Texas? Especially because this district used to be plus 15. In fact, it was plus 15 for Trump. So it's not used to be. That's 2016. Um, But you're running on Green New Deal and Medicare for All. So how has it been received?
1: Well, everybody has this notion that Texas is, especially you know, parts of these you know rural parts of Texas are really. Against these progressive policies, but these progressive policies make sense. It makes sense to have Medicare for All. It actually will shore up. We want to solve the rural health care crisis or hospital crisis. Um, you know, all of the rural hospitals in Texas that are shutting down. Medicare for All solves that. Um, we want to. Um, invest in our future. We know that the fossil fuel industry has always been an incredibly volatile industry here in Texas. And in fact, we've lost 50,000 jobs in the fossil fuel industry just from the price of oil going negative over these past few months. And farmers and ranchers have been living with climate change for for such a long time, they know it's real. You don't have to talk a farmer or rancher into a Green New Deal. They understand that that is very, very real. So. Talking about our policies and being available to people in this district is, you know, what is changing this district. And and I'm proud to be part of that with with thousands of other people who are doing this alongside with me.
0: Have I mentioned JulieOliver.org? Okay, so uh, Roger Williams is the guy you're running against. Um, Look, I I feel like if the voters in your district, or really almost any district, uh, knew the, the actual difference between your health care proposal and Williams health care proposal you would landslide him mean, it doesn't matter what kind of a Republican district is because he's voted to take away the Affordable Care Act what four dozen times five dozen times
1: yeah and he's, he's had votes against health care 63 times during his four terms
0: five dozen Wow 63 okay so and when you take away the Affordable Care Act, you do take away protections for pre existing conditions, but you also take away protections for a whole heap of stuff. And so that would mean there was another 20 to 30 million people who are now uninsured again the minute that that act is done. And we're in the middle of a pandemic. Do you think that the, whereas you would cover everyone in a pandemic, and we know that universal health care in every other country that does it, Is less expensive, not more expensive than the current system. So given that, I'm curious about the media coverage. Because I feel like if the media actually told people that, they'd be like, um, this is a no brainer, (laughs) we're going to vote for Julie, right? Who doesn't want to have health insurance for free and have it cost less overall for all of society? Um, Has the press been honest about that?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, that's that's been part of the problem. The the press has been giving oxygen to a president who consistently tells us the sky is falling, or you know, whatever whatever the tweet of the day is that they give oxygen to. You don't have to cover everything that comes out of that man's either thumb tips or mouth, and that's what the media does. But the reality, we could talk. We could actually have real conversations about facts. You you. Mentioned one, our healthcare system is the most expensive in the world and it leaves out the most people in the world. We have in Texas, we have a maternal mortality rate that rivals third world countries. So, if we really want to improve outcomes and save lives and save money, universal, guaranteed universal healthcare, single payer through Medicare for all is the way to get there.
0: Um, That's a great way of framing it that I have not heard before. We have the most expensive system in the world and the one that leaves out the most people. How could you possibly be in favor of that? And the way that you would be in favor of that is if the media lies to you and, and tells you, oh, he said, she said, I can't tell the difference. No, yes. William's plan would cover, well, he doesn't have a plan, but if he had a plan, it would cover 30, 40 million less people and would cost more. So if they were honest about it, he'd get killed. But they, they they basically lie on behalf of Republicans by calling things even when they're not remotely even. Um, so have I mentioned julieoliver.org? I think I did. Um, okay, so Julie, uh, you're a regular person. You don't come across as a politician at all. Um, it, like it's, I can sense it instantly. So what are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> how did you get involved in politics?
1: I is. Honest to God, I have a son who's twenty three, but he has battled, just battled having health. Um, he was born in neonatal intensive care when, he, you know, as a newborn, he um, has a heart condition that we discovered when he was five, went on to d- discover he has an immune deficiency that kept him out of high school for two years. So when Congressman Williams and other Republicans voted to repeal the Affordable Care Act, in 2017, I looked at my husband. I said, "Oh my gosh, I have a terrible idea. I need you to talk me out of it." I think I'm going to run for Congress, and he didn't talk me out of it. And you know, again, I had no political experience. I joke around. My very first block walk, you're supposed to use software to go block walking and target doors that will be Democratic voters in a primary. I literally went door to door on my first block walk because I didn't know you were supposed to do that and talk to people. It was really cold. It was December. Yeah, I'm not this polished um, groomed candidate. I'm a mom who cares so deeply for her son, but also cares so deeply for my community. And realizes that the social safety net is what saved me as a a teen. I was a 17 year old high school dropout runaway who got pregnant and the social safety net saved my life. I ended up um, going back to high school. I was a Medicaid mom, gave birth to my daughter went on to college, there was no college plan in our family, and then was eventually able to go into law school as well. My community made an investment in me, the people who were paying their taxes in the early 90s, the reason why I'm here today. And so I see the social safety net as making investments in people, and that's where our investments should be made. Not in corporations' bottom lines, and in real people, in their lives, in their livelihoods. And that's what I want to bring in my little tiny piece of congressional representation. That's what I'd like to bring to Congress.
0: Yeah, you're a good point machine. I have not heard other people frame it as social safety net equals investment in people, and and you know they the Republicans, of course, frame it as why are we giving to these lazy people. Uh, these people who didn't work for it, who don't deserve it, et cetera, And they have this myth of meritocracy. So if Kushner and Trump were handed a couple hundred million dollars from their parents, that's because they deserved it and they earned it. And if you had to uh, go on Medicaid or welfare, that's because you weren't a good person. Well, I can't wait for you to prove them wrong. <laughs> JulieOliver.org. Have I, I think I mentioned it. Okay, um, uh, okay, so Julie, as you can tell, uh, we don't hide our perspective here, <laughs> the audience knows we root for progressives, you're running as a super strong progressive in, in, a, in a purple to red district and, and, and I love it. Um, but now let me ask you tough questions as, as a, a person in the media. So if you win, um, your Democratic colleagues will tell you to do none of the things that are on your agenda. Uh, and they will tell you, no, Julie, look, you're new to this. You don't understand. It's going to hurt your Democratic colleagues. And I just introduced you and you just guys had lunch and you got along so well. Now, you're not going to betray them, are you, by insisting on voting for Medicare for all when Pelosi and others don't want to vote on that? If you put the, make them vote on it, they're going to be in a tough spot in their own district. You're not going to hurt your friends and colleagues that way, are you? They will say, and what will you say back?
1: We'll say I will actually pull out my whiteboard and show them how Medicare for All is the thing that again saves lives, improves outcomes, and saves money and. At the end of the day, who is it that we want to be fighting for? Is it that we want to be fighting for our communities? Or do we want to be fighting for that health insurance executives compensation plan? A Health insurance executive who makes anywhere from last year $49,000 a day to over $100,000 a day. Every day, 365 days a year. Put that in perspective. We don't pay teachers. $49,000 $49,000 a year. Yet we're paying health insurance executives $49,000 every day. And That's a low end of the spectrum. Um, that's not who I want to fight for. And that's again why I made a very intentional decision not to take PAC money. Because I don't want to be arm twisted by those colleagues who say you can't vote that way, Julie. That's not how my donors want you to vote. I don't care what your donors think. What I care about is what my voters need and in my district, Medicare
0: for all works so first of all forty nine thousand dollars a day by the way, to not give you health care because they make a profit by not giving you health care not they lose money every time they give you health care, so that he's those folks whose salaries you gave, they have perfected the art of of not providing health care and and so we have a totally sick system, but Julie they're not going to say, "Hey, it's my donors," and if you say that they'll be that what they'll say is "We're deeply offended. Do you really think that's who we are? Are you saying we're corrupt, Julie because that's super offensive to leadership and to all these wonderful people that you just met. Julie, you don't want to be that offensive, do you
1: of course I don't want to be offensive and rude, however um Campaign finance reports don't lie. Mm. They, don't. Uh, they don't. You know what? I, <laughs> you gotta you know what win, else I'd Julie. Like to you gotta Sorry. win. <laughs> I actually want. You remember how the Republicans paraded out those posters um, during the impeachment hearings, and they were just so tacky. Like, I want somebody to do that. With, but on campaign finance reports, like every time a congressperson is speaking, have a list of the corporate donors. Um, that are funding that reelection bid. That's what I want to see.
0: <laughs> JulieOliver.org, have I mentioned it? Have I mentioned JulieOliver.org? Um, okay, so uh, look, a, I, I, I'm, it would be a great day in America if we had enough um, momentum within the progressives in Congress that they could actually stand up to leadership and say, Okay, that's like your opinion, man, but uh, my voters matter more than, uh, than, you, than your donors. Um, and, and so, Julie, if, if there is, I mean, let me ask one more question about that. If there is a Democratic majority in the House, the Senate and, and the presidency, do you think you'll be negotiating with Republicans who at that point will have zero power or with the donor class that fund the rest of the Democratic Party?
1: I think that's a yes and yeah. I think it's going to be. I think both, honestly. I think it's um, it depends on the issue. You know, I think there are probably some things that are bipartisan in nature that need resolution. Uh, and I think about the things that affect my district. I have a, a large military installation that has a large uh, proportion of, of veterans, and we are not honoring our commitments to veterans we are not meeting disability claims in a timely fashion I found out today that veterans um, retired veterans now have to pay a fee to a tricare uh, supplement and if they don't do it by the end of this year and there's only one phone line to call by the way you can't register uh, through the web a website they will lose their coverage and so I think things like that will will we have to reach across the aisle to develop solutions for. Mm-hmm. But I do think that you're right. I think the bigger, the more we can grow our progressive ranks, the bigger the voice we are going to have in Congress, and we are going to be able to be a strong contingent. I'm really excited that Cory Bush and Jamal Bowman are going to Congress because they're adding to those progressive ranks. And um, do I think it's going to be easy? No. But I'll tell you one other thing. My view of this is. I have two years. I'm not looking at this as a four year proposition or six year or 20 year proposition. I've got two years because everything gets redrawn for the next congressional cycle anyway. In 2022, all the district lines in Texas will look very, very different. I've got two years. That's it. What is the most amount of good that I can do in those two years?
0: Uh, Have I mentioned julieoliver.org, okay, guys, you gotta understand something. What Julie just said is also super important because a lot of people go to make a career out of this. If you're thinking about it in, I got two years and I got the fierce urgency of now to get this done, that's exactly the right attitude. So I love that you're on redtobold.com and that's a great program that has these wonderful progressives running in purple districts. Uh, but obviously uh, Julie's in a super tight race and you could help put her over the top and she doesn't have anyone but you. There are no packs; just Julie Oliver and you guys. So uh, I think the website was julieoliver.org. Um, so thank you. <laughs> Julie, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it and good luck.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you.